Hey there, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Just Asia podcast. It's episode number 26. My name is Kevin O'Shea, and I'm a Canadian expat living abroad right now based in Penang, Malaysia. I've called South Korea home, Japan, China. Now I'm in Malaysia. Each week in this podcast, I talk to a fascinating individual who is based in Asia doing some pretty interesting things. And this week, Another great episode, I chat with Victor Gonzalez. He is better known on the social media as Frame of Travel. That's right, on Twitter, on YouTube, on Instagram, Frame of Travel. Now, back in the day when I was hosting the Just Japan podcast, Victor was kind enough to come on a few times. And one of the neat things that he talked about was doing his Sea to Summit epic Mount Fuji hikes, climbs. Um, So he would hike all the way from the base at Saruga Bay and go all the way to the top of Mount Fuji. And he's done it so many times. But you know what? In this episode, that was years ago. In this episode, we're going to be talking a bit about that, but we're also going to be talking a lot about his incredible photography. Victor is an accomplished photographer who does some incredible landscape stuff, night photography. And if you check out his Instagram over at Frame of Travel, you will not be disappointed. Incredible stuff. So join me in my conversation with Victor Gonzalez, based in Japan, and he's going to talk about some incredible things, frame of travel. Okay, well, folks, we're back for another episode of the Just Asia podcast, and I'm really excited this episode to have to have a guest who I, I talked to many, many years ago. And, um, you know, he's he's based in, well, actually, I shouldn't say where he's based. He'll tell you soon enough. But Victor <laughs> Gonzalez, um, welcome to the Just Asia podcast. Hello, nice to meet you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, um, you were on a few episodes of the the former Just Japan podcast a long time mm-hmm. ago. I think um, nine years ago and eight years ago, respectively, for those episodes. Yes, and yes. You've uh, you've done a few things in between, I'm sure. Um, and, and we're going to catch up on that during this interview, um, which is going to be really cool. So I was wondering if you could tell the listeners just a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and where you are. Okay, well, I am originally from uh, the United States, specifically Los Angeles, California, and I moved out here to Japan, where I've been based for the past 11 years. Um, I'm over in the Tokyo area right now, kind of bounced around the Kanto region, so Chiba, Kanagawa, Tokyo. Um, But uh, it's been very nice, and uh, what I do out here is I I work primarily as a QA engineer, Uh, so that's my main job, and uh, everybody online seems to know me for my photography. (laughs) Nice, nice. So you, what, what, now, so what exactly is a QA engineer? Because um, I have to admit, I don't really know. <laughs> okay, so a, a quality assurance engineer is the person who tests products and software before it goes out to the public and ensures that it works. So, okay. so it's it's a it's a software engineer's job to make a uh, a, so- a software or a product as idiot proof as possible. Yeah, and my job is to become the perfect idiot and break their <laughs> stuff. <laughs> nice. Okay. But this isn't what you always did. You've had a variety of, of, of um, you know, careers and things in Japan, haven't you? Yes. Um, yes. I've kind of been bouncing all over the place, to be honest. But this is my forte. Nice. Nice. And you've been in this position for, for quite some time, too, which is cool. Yes. Right? Just over five years now. Awesome. So, you know, um, many years ago, when you were on mm-hmm. the Just Asia podcast, um, I think... We were following each other on social media, probably on Twitter, on on YouTube as well. That, those were in the days when I was a lot more active. That's when I was based in Japan, and I think mm-hmm. the um, I don't know, I, I you know the kind of Japan blogosphere or vlogosphere um, mm-hmm. has changed a lot since then. But the community was kind of small and and a bit tighter. There were some big names, but not a lot at the time. Mm-hmm. And I think those kind of almost were the days when 
maybe there weren't so many. Now, now there's a lot of it seems like travel vloggers from around the world come to Japan, make a bunch of content and leave. And, yes. you know, um, so for example, like I know that my, I was based in Kobe for, you know, 10 years. And mm-hmm. back in the day, if you searched anything on YouTube for Kobe, you would see a whole bunch of my videos pop up. Um, and now the other day I did a search and like nothing popped up and it's all like, you know, top 10 lists of people who don't live in Japan aren't based all big travel vloggers who Mm -hmm. visit and, and stuff. Um, but you know, I think we came across each other back in those days and, um, you know, you were, you know, you were doing stuff about Mount Fuji. You were, you were sharing a lot of cool stuff and, um, you know, doing the summit to see thing. So I know, I know that's maybe not, you know, it's in the past, but I'm, I'm curious, like what, if you could tell the listeners um, a little bit about these epic um, Fuji trips you used to make, because they were different than a lot of others. Oh, yeah. Yes. It, it definitely was not not the norm. I, I can say that safely. Um, well, back then and up until last year, actually starting from 2013, uh, I've always kind of wanted to climb Mount Fuji since I first kind of like arrived here in Japan. Yeah. But I, fi- I figured, you know, there's that one phrase where like... Uh, a fool, wait, like a wise man climbs Mount Fuji once and a fool climbs it twice or more yeah. or something, etc. So I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this once, I'm going to make it as epic and as interesting as possible. So that in mind, I tried to research all the routes and I found out, oh, there's four routes, not just one to get to the top. Okay, yeah. uh, how do I get to this route, etc. This and that did some more information and I found this... Um, this challenge that people have been kind of like swinging around online called the Sita Summit, where basically you start from the ocean and then walk through the city of Fuji, through the forest, all the way to the mountain, all the way to the top, and all the way to the uh, the peak of Kengamine at 3,776 meters. Mm-hmm. And I decided, you know what, well, if I'm going to climb this once, this is the way I'm going to do it. And as, as rough as that first experience was, uh, by the time I got to the top exhausted and got down to the bus i was like i'm gonna do this again (laughs) and i did so for a total of 10 years back to back to back to back to back to back to back um and this year i i finally have retired from making that sea to summit climb okay so those, I mean, you know, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, most people when they do the the, the Fuji hike, they go to the, uh, the fifth station, I believe that's normally where they start. And, yes. And stuff. Um, but you were, you know, you're doing it quite a bit differently. And I'm wondering, like all of those years, I can assume you were traveling with different people. Were you? Mm-hmm. And, and, and did you ever do it solo as well, or were you always with people? I've done it multiple times solo. Yes. Okay. Okay. And I, I usually at the beginning, I was, I kind of opened it up to others because I didn't really want to go alone, mostly yeah. for safety reasons. Um, sometimes people would join me. Sometimes people would, uh, skimp out at the last second, but I'm, I'm going to go regardless. So that happened pretty much a lot. And I can remember you were basically kind of not live streaming at the time, but you were really, I mean, uh, people could follow you pretty real time on Twitter when you were doing it back in the day. Yes. I'd be posting updates on Twitter and primarily on Instagram. And back when Periscope used to be a thing. That, oh, actually, that's, the, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. That's, I remember back in the day, that's where I was watching you do it. So, um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Periscope. I haven't heard that. Yeah. That didn't last long. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But I, I tried to live stream some of it, but obviously the reception going through the forest and stuff yeah, made yeah, it yeah. almost impossible. Cool. So, you know, you've, 
you've you've finished this, but see the summit, the yearly thing. It's it's kind of behind you. And, and to be honest, um, you you know, I've as I sit back looking at you know, um, when or when I sit, I'm I'm thinking of who do I want to talk to? You know, who who do I want to interview on this podcast? You know, interesting people from around Asia. Of course, I, often I go back in my mind to people who were on the Just Japan podcast. Mm-hmm. And then um, most recently, last weekend, I was um, sitting here at home here in Malaysia. And we were watching my friends, or not my friends, my children, who are my friends too, uh, my mm-hmm. two kids who are 13 and 10 now, are mm-hmm. big um, Abroad in Japan fans. They love watching the Chris Broad and they love the heck out of Natsuki, um, mm-hmm. foul language and all. And, and when we watched the video where they just climbed Mount Fuji, um, uh-huh. you, you popped up in the video. And, <laughs> yeah. were, and, and Chris Broad was like, you know, thanks to the expert advice of you, um, Victor Frame of Travel, for helping them kind of organize things or plan things. And mm-hmm. it, it, can I, can I assume that maybe they were le- when, when I saw that they, they chose a kind of less traditional route or a route less traveled for their journey, would that maybe been based on some of your knowledge and experiences? Yes. Yes. Chris and I talked a little bit before the actual climb itself. And he asked me advice on what are the best routes to take? What's the kind of pacing he should take to get to the top, et cetera, and timing. Um, but congratulations on Chris and Noski for, for making that climb all the way to the top. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch the way they, they, um, you know, the way they of course cover it and shoot it and all that too. Um, oh yeah. It was super fun to watch. Oh yeah. 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 I yeah, know they He definitely, that's a, he's in a, in a class in his own, the way he does mm-hmm. things. So, um, we, uh, Again, it's really interesting. You know, back in the day when I lived in Japan, I used to always say, you know what? I, I don't like to watch Japan content because I live here. And, mm-hmm. and and now I haven't lived in Japan in, in seven years. So now mm-hmm. I, I find myself watching Japan content again all the time. Um, it's, it's interesting how that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so now I mean, actually, so you decided this year not to do it. So um, I guess I'm going to jump around a little bit here now. I, I shot you a few talking points a few minutes ago, but I'm not sure if you had time to look. That's cool. Barely. <laughs> barely. So, you know, one thing I noticed, now that you are not making that journey up to Fuji, looks like it's opened up some opportunities for you to do some other things. And I saw on your Twitter not that long ago, um, a lot of great pictures and videos from um, Pokemon World or Pokemon Worlds. Um, that mm-hmm. was in Yokohama, I think, right? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'm curious, you know, can you tell me about that? Because that looked like a lot of fun. I, I was seeing a lot of things by a lot of different people popping up on Twitter. And um, yeah, tell me about that experience. Sure thing. Well, like on the side, my other kind of hobby is photography. So I love taking pictures. But lately, I've been kind of taking a break from the whole photography stint because it's summer and I really don't like to go out, <laughs> especially in Japanese summer. It is just way too hot for especially me. Especially this summer past. Oh yeah. It was rough. Insane from what I hear. Yeah. So finally it's cooling down, but, but they had the world's championships over in Yokohama for Pokemon. And I've never been to one before. Obviously the previous year it was held in London and I didn't have the funds or the means to go over there. So now that it's in my backyard, I was dedicated to go. So I took time off of work and went there pretty much Every single day. And as you can see by like stuff in the background right here. Yeah, yeah. By this right here. I I, I am kind of a Pokemon fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, it was it it was it was really amazing uh, to see this 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 company, this brand that I've been following ever since I was a teenager in high school, you know, have gotten this big and for me to participate in an in an event finally. Yeah. And be around so many other people who are also enjoying it as well. It was honestly really an amazing time for me. That is so cool. That is so cool. That's interesting because I mean, for me, I think personally, I'm 
Um, I'm a little bit too old, as in I missed the mark. Like Pokemon came out and became big in North America when I was I was already an adult, and mm-hmm. so maybe it wasn't something I, I watched. But as I as I'm, it's interesting. I don't know. As as I become older and I had kids and I watched them really get into it, mm-hmm. I kind of started to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to admit, like when Pokemon Go first came out back in the day, I don't know what the, when that was, 2016. 2016, yeah, yeah. my last my last full year um, in Japan actually before mm-hmm. I left to move to Beijing. Um, I remember that the day it came out and playing it and just walking home from school, um, you know, through kind of downtown Sanomiya and Kobe and heading across Kobe Bridge to where I lived in Port Island and just seeing all these salarymen and stuff. Everyone was on their phones <laughs> and everyone was playing it. And it was really, yeah. it was a really neat moment when that first came out. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of got into it. And um, again, just like every time, every year we visit Japan, hitting the Pokemon Center in Osaka and Umeda. Mm-hmm blowing all my money on my kids for them to have cool things and stuff. Um, but it's really interesting when I went back there in January, oh, sorry, this past June, I was shocked, mm-hmm. absolutely shocked to see the insane numbers of people who were at like the Pokemon Center and to learn that basically you couldn't get yourself, your hands on a Pokemon card if you wanted to. Um, oh, the Pokemon card craze is, is insanely blown up. It is yeah. ridiculous. It is insane. And it was um, interesting. I do have a, a good friend of mine. His daughter works at the Pokemon Center in Osaka. And she was explaining mm-hmm. how, to him how they even so many resellers from around the world will come in person to Japan to try to buy t- um, cards that what they now have been doing was um, when Opening someone wants to buy. Yeah, exactly. When someone wants to buy it, they, they break the seal. They take the plastic off it and open it up so people can try to resell it saying, you know, brand new untouched cards. Yeah. Um uh, it's insane. And, and I asked that question on Twitter. I was like, what's going on here? Like, we can't buy Pokemon cards anywhere. And a whole bunch of people were, were kind of explaining. It turned into kind of a, a bit of a semi-viral post on Twitter. It, it, it is, because, like, ever since Japan reopened the borders, um, I mean, during the corona era, that's that's when, like, the whole kind of Pokemania, like, you know, started up again. Everything was just crazy and nuts. Mm. And then everybody just buying and purchasing online through these resellers online. But as soon as Japan opened up the borders, everybody was like, oh, now we could just get everything in person. And yeah. everything just started going, going in bulk. And then the Japanese audience saw that, and they were just like, hey. And then they started doing it as well. And okay. they're a little bit more efficient because they're on the home turf. And just yeah. the price has just been going insane. I mean, they'll yeah. release a new pack of whatever new Pokemon thing. I'm not really into the cards, unfortunately, but like, and that, that'll sell out within like the first 30 minutes, if that's. Yeah, I've heard that there's even, now a few things I've heard. I've, I've seen videos on Twitter mm-hmm. posted by like, I think like in on BeanConSci or some other places of actual mm-hmm. like fights at the Pokemon Center. And then I've heard actually like, you know, from my friend whose daughter works there, um, yeah. that she's seen, there have literally been physical fights there, people duking it out over cards. Um, and then, um, I was also heard that like, for example, when, when they do come out, maybe say like a Seven Eleven is going to get some packs, there'll mm-hmm. be people lined up at 6am that morning outside of a Seven Eleven waiting the, the, like local people or people have inside knowledge to try to buy up those packs um, from, from the convenience stores. Um, this all came to light when, again, I tweeted something uh, when, when, when I was back in Osaka with my, <laughs> with my son, cause we asked at the Pokemon center, like, where can we get them? They're like, Oh, try Yamada Denki or try like yeah, yeah. camera, go to these places. You go to them all they're like no no we don't have cards yeah. Believe me, we don't have cards yeah um, but uh that's really fascinating um so 
you know, didn't expect to talk about that, but it is a really cool topic. Mm-hmm. Um, those cars and the craze, but you know, I think that's that kind of goes in, in hand with all the the, the over tourism we're seeing um, in in Japan now as well, right? Mm-hmm. Now that the borders have reopened, um, which we saw firsthand back in in June in Osaka. But okay, mm-hmm. so you know, you mentioned photography, taking a break from photography. I do want to focus on your photography because I love your photography, and thank you, thank you. everyone out there listening, um, go follow Victor on Instagram at Frame of Travel. And you'll see some amazing night photography, landscape photography. How did how did that kind of photography journey begin for you? Um, oh, well, yeah. I, originally I wanted to do YouTube. So I got a camera like way back in like 2011, just before I moved to Japan, because I was watching a bunch of a bunch of like the whole J vlogger sphere at that time. Yeah. And um, when I moved out here, I realized, oh, I'm not very good at doing filming by myself. So I kind of like set the camera aside, but like I spent so much money on it, I kind of felt bad. So I started a, a a small little blog, okay, where I took pictures of hey, here's Tokyo Tower, and with information just for my family back at home, so that way they could see hey, this is what I'm doing, and this is where I'm going, and here's information about it, blah blah blah. Um, by doing that, I got my feet wet into like the whole social media thing, like oh, is this working? This isn't working, and eventually. Several years later, I ended up as a social media manager for a company that I was working at the time when we had one of our last interviews called okay. Japanistas. Okay, yeah. And uh, from there, obviously working like in the, the web media for Japan-related stuff, they sent me out quite a lot because I was the guy with the camera okay. to go shoot and learn and take all this stuff and then just feature it on the website. So I did that for about like a year or so. And then when I moved on from that company, I decided, oh, well, Let's give this a shot. I'm kind of interested in this photography thing now. So I'm going to actually start doing my own kind of branding. And that's when I like created this, uh, I don't even know what to call it, this thing called the frame of travel, this yeah. handle that I've been using online since, God, what, like 2015 or so, 2016. Yeah. And uh, it's slowly been kind of growing from there. And then I've been exploring different places in Japan for like pictures that I've been wanting to take and just uh, growing from there, basically. Very cool, very cool. And then, I mean, you you've got a lot of great, great shots. You seem to be getting out in all seasons. Maybe not in the summer. Um, yeah, not in the yeah. summer. <laughs> That's my biggest um, weakness. Because for those of you who don't know, um, on a good year, Japan has a pretty oppressive and humid and nasty summer. If you're living mm-hmm. in the Kanto region or in the Kansai, but this summer, wow, you guys really got nailed. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just insane. Like, I watch, like, I mean, I obviously I've got family back there. My wife's from Osaka, lots of friends there. Um, and I mean, we were there in June. We were there for the entire month of June. And I mean, it was, it was hot. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I say this now, too, because I was living in a subtropical area before I went there. I was mm-hmm. living near Hong Kong. And then now I'm in a fully tropical area. I'm in Malaysia. And the temperatures here were nothing like what you guys were experiencing in mm-hmm. Tokyo. I mean, it would be like 34, 35 here. And I'd look there and like with the humidex, you know, you guys were in the 40s. Um, yeah, it was crazy. You'd step out and just immediately start sweating. Uh, it's, uh, oh, wow. It's, 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 it's pretty crazy. But so are you planning on getting out this fall and back in the winter and, and this winter and, and breaking out the camera again and getting more active on your Instagram? Yeah, I think so. Because like winter and, and fall for me are my most favorite seasons. So <clears throat> I'm already have some, having some time planned to take off of work in November. So I'm just thinking it's just a matter of where will I go and will the timing kind of sync up? Okay. Because like one of the most things, one of the most important things you need to keep in mind is when is the actual like changing of colors going to happen and where in Japan? Yeah. Okay. So the yeah. Mokiti. Yes, uh, exactly. 
Yeah, cool. So, um, yeah, wow. That's that's. I'm I'm hoping. I'm looking forward to to seeing the stuff you're going to be doing. So, um, you know, you've 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 kind of evolved in your social media over the years too. Um, mm-hmm. I was wondering if you can let us know about what you're doing on Twitch. You're pretty active there. Oh, on Twitch, it it's just kind of a hobby thing. Okay. Um, with like the latest Pokemon games that have released, I'm just trying to do a complete living dex, which basically means catch every single Pokemon. Oh, okay. That's ever been created. But I'm adding like an insane amount of challenges to this. Like, for example, um, I all the third gen Pokemon uh, are from like the old school kind of cartridge games, which like I guess I guess they they come from like old cartridges like like this, right? This is the old Game Boy SP, and the cartridges they still look like this. Yeah, and this is what from like two thousand two, two thousand three or so. And the Pokemon that you catch here can be brought up through the generations all up until now. Oh, what I want to do with this living dex is that all of the new Pokemon that were introduced in this third generation, I'm going to catch in this generation and move it all up. Okay. Same for the fourth generation, fifth, sixth, seventh, all the way up until the ninth generation. So that way I have all the Pokemon in their original generation and move it all up. Wow. Cool. That sounds time consuming. It is very time consuming. So I decided, well, since I'm doing that, I might as well just stream it. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And it's not necessarily going to be like the most viral thing in the world, which is not what I'm aiming for. It's just like, hey, if somebody else is playing Pokemon right now and they just just want some background noise, then it's like we're playing together. Cool, cool. Yeah, I got to admit, Twitch is new for me. I, I actually opened up my first uh, my Twitch account recently, just um, before I interviewed Matt Papa, um, mm-hmm. um, who is uh, he's uh, at Mega Matt TV. Uh, he's yes, 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 yes. You guys, you know, I'm sure you know Matt. Yeah, he's a good friend. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you guys run in the same circles for sure. Um, and that was that was cool. I mean, he's doing a really interesting thing, and he explained all about the the, the rig that he's got to do all the the live streaming. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that is very neat. And then we talked about like the kind of gear that Sea Dog VA carries around with him to do all those like epic live streams, like cycling across Hokkaido, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and yeah, that's that, that's really cool. Um, yeah, so you know, I don't want to keep you much longer, good sir. I appreciate you taking the time on a Friday. Where can people find you on the socials, as they say, if they want to uh, follow the cool things that you're doing? Well, all one word. It is a uh, frame of travel. Okay. Uh, that's all you need to look for. I'm most ac- active over on Instagram where I post stories all the time. For me, Instagram is like my vlog of living in Japan. So if you're interested in that, then f- give me a follow on Instagram. That's obviously where I post my pictures. Okay. Um, cool. Twitter or X, I guess I'm posting every now and then. And then uh, threads I'm kind of using as a as a blog as well, kind of like my daily activities, etc. I'm on YouTube as well. I don't really post that much, but... Yeah, keep, keep tuned. Keep subscribed every now and then, like every year or so, I'll post a video. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like how I am. I mean, I posted a few things recently because I want my family to see, but I'm kind of get back into that stage where I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, let the family and friends see. Um, and then a lot, I guess, a lot of things that I post from time to time. I mean, like, I guess my feed is mostly buried in whatever, al- buried in an algorithm. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, one of my videos I posted the other day of me hiking, and some, some person was like, "Wow, I haven't seen your videos in years and years and years." <laughs> and then this just popped up, and I'm like, "Well, I don't make them very often, but um, I'm sure that's probably why they're buried." Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, yeah. So cool. So, uh, so everyone listening, go check the show notes below and I'll have all those links to uh, Victor's, Victor's things, especially Instagram, of course, and threads, I think are the main places to go and, and follow you. Um, yeah. Thanks so much for taking no the time. No, thank you for having me on. All right. Well, I want to thank Victor for coming on the Just Asia podcast. First time on this podcast, and I'm very happy to have him. Go check out all of his amazing stuff over at Frame of Travel on the social medias. Links will be below in the show notes. And that does it for another interview, another episode of the podcast. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. Hey, things are good over here in Malaysia. How are they wherever you are? I hope you guys are all doing really well. I'm, again, settling in, settled in uh, to my new home for now. Um, I say for now, cause who knows where I'll be in a few years from now, but, um, we're, we're really enjoying things. One of the things that I can't get over is the incredible amount of wildlife that is all around me here where I live is a little bit kind of rural outside of the city of Georgetown in a place called Batu Ferengi. And I have been making some more YouTube content in recent weeks. So if you check out my YouTube channel over at Busan Kevin, you can see some of the video blogs I've been making about life here in, um, Penang, Malaysia. Um, I recently made one just like a, a blog hanging out in my kind of neighborhood. I made one about an abandoned restaurant and I made one recently about exploring an old historic Catholic cemetery. That might sound a bit weird. Kevin, what are you doing traipsing around a cemetery? But, um, you know, cemeteries can often be really fascinating places filled with a lot of interesting history. And, um, you know, tombstones, gravestones can often share some really interesting stories when you look at them. So uh, check those out on YouTube. There'll be more to come um, of those as well in the future. Um, if you have any guests that you think would be great for the show, please drop me a note over at Twitter at Mad for Maple or on Instagram at JaylandKev um, or come on over and join the Facebook group uh, for the Just Asia podcast. Those are all great ways to get a hold of me. Uh, all right, guys. So you know what? That does it for another episode of the Just Asia podcast. Please help us grow by sharing the podcast on your social media. Tell like-minded people, people who you think would find it interesting, um, people who are interested in life in Japan, in Korea, China, Malaysia, wherever it may be. Uh, these days, a lot of the episodes are Japan-based, but um, that's not a bad thing. That happens to be where a lot of my network live and remain. But there will be more episodes with people here soon, hopefully. And uh, a lot of cool things coming, I'm hoping, with social media. I'm going to try to up my game. Um, one thing I do spend a lot of time doing, I actually um, manage the social media for my school. It's part of my job, um, which is a cool thing. So professionally, I am now a professional content creator in that regard. So I do spend a lot of energy creating, um, you know, the the different promotional material and stuff to get people, you know, interested in what's happening at my school, possible clients, families that may want to come, you know, to show why our school is better than the competition, all that stuff. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to up my skills and my own personal social media to that level. Um, I'm realizing I'm more and more capable of doing some pretty cool things. Um, on Instagram and stuff. And I need to translate that into my own personal stuff. So I think I'm going to share that with you. One cool thing, though, I am sharing more and more um, videos of all kinds of cool and cute monkeys and giant not so cute monitor lizards and other freaky things I find during the week. All right, guys. Well, um, I, again, this is going to drop on the weekend. Normally, I drop late in the week. This will drop on the weekend. And uh, again, please help us grow bigger by sharing us out 
um, with, uh, yeah, just, you know, your friends, your family, uh, folks, you know, if you're in any um, travel uh, related Facebook groups. So just share the links on your Twitter, whatever it might be. All right, guys. Well, that does it. My name is Kevin O'Shea, a Canadian expat living here in Malaysia. And I hope you liked another episode. We'll be coming your way in another week with another fantastic guest, another fantastic story, and some pretty entertaining talking. I said entertaining. I meant entertaining. All right, guys. Well, that's it. Take care. Have an awesome week wherever you are out there in the big world. 